Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to the Osher Ginsberg podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. This is a weekly conversation where my goal is to talk to guests that have a great story to tell or who have achieved something remarkable in their lives and through their story, hopefully get inspired myself. Perhaps, hopefully, inspire you too. Thank you so much for the incredible feedback and tweets through the week. I can't even speak at how fantastic it is. Um, if you like what I'm doing here, if you don't like it, just tell me. I'm on Twitter, at Osher Ginsberg. Just let me know. If you enjoy the show, if you like to listen to this show, please, the way you can give something back is by tweeting out that you're listening and include a link to the podcast page, osherginsberg.com. Click podcast, click on this episode, and there's a tweet button for you to press. It'll, it'll take you 15 seconds from now, and you'll have, you'll have completed the energy exchange that we're participating in here. You'll have closed that loop. It's a beautiful thing. It'll make you feel good. I would love it if you would do that. Please tweet out a link to the show. Put a Facebook update with a link to the show page. At reply me or tag me when you put a link to the show up, and I'll, I'll retweet you. I'll favorite you. I'll send amazing vibes your way. We'll, we'll have a little energetic moment together this week's been pretty good i'm back in bondi beach there's construction work going on it's exciting um amazing to be on bondi at the cusp of summer just summer's just like pressing up against you like like when you're moving through a packed bar and someone really sexy is kind of rolling by you and they know where their body ends and where everything else begins but they just kind of walk just that little bit too close to you and things brush past and you're like oh yeah it's like that right now in bondi beach it's a very sexy part of the world to be in um it's great to be back at my favorite yoga studio. I, um, uh, if you've never done yoga, I highly recommend it. I sweated my balls off in yoga today. I, I was creating a, a rainforest thunderstorm on my yoga mat, just intense how much I was sweating today. And um, we lifted up into Bird of Paradise, which is essentially where your, your arm is behind your knee and you're clasping it behind your back and you, you stand up on one leg. I was so surprised I got into this pose, I fell over. I was that excited by it. Very quickly, I just do want to tell you about uh, a full circle moment that happened to me this week. In 2001, we ran a competition on Channel V, the music television station I used to work at, to come and interview um, uh, Fred Durst, the guy from Limp Bizkit, um, on, st- on set with me. And the guy that won the competition, it was the big day out in 2001, the day that Limp Bizkit played. It was a very tragic day. But that day, about an hour beforehand, we interviewed Fred Durst. Uh, when I say we, me and the crew, we interviewed Fred Durst and me. And this kid who's 13 years old 
who won the competition, interviewed Fred Durst with me. His name was Dre Muller. He was 13. Since then, this kid has been just rigorously pursuing a career in television and and he's been doing it by, he's hasn't waited to be picked. He's picked himself. He's gone out and he's 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 made short films. He's he's chased down production work. He's doing third assistant director jobs, second assistant director jobs. He's directed short films. He's got into photography. He's he's picked himself. He's decided this is his job, and he's going for it. And this week we're shooting a new episode of The Bachelor. And I walked in the production office yesterday. Lo and behold, there he is. Here he is, twelve years later. It's so amazing to, 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 to see this guy who has decided that this is what he wants out of life from such an early age. 13, he knew. And he's been at it and at it and at it. And so uh, I think what I really wanted to share with you was that, and now he's like, here he is. We're, we're, working, in, we're working on a show together, me and him. Uh, amazing. Um, but even as a grommet at 13, he's, from then he's been hunting it down. He's been hunting it down. Now, I'm sure a lot of the gigs he's been doing, he hasn't been getting paid for, so he's been doing other jobs on the side, so he can do this thing. So whatever it is, if it's movies, if it's music, if, it's, if you're into finance, if you're into fitness, if you're into writing, cooking, whatever it is, just keep doing it. Find a way to make money elsewhere so you can keep doing this thing. And if you commit to constant improvement and adaption to feedback that people are giving you, I promise you, It'll become the thing that you'll get paid to do. I was so uplifted when I saw him the other day. So stoked. I can't wait to work with him on the weekend. We're going to make a great show. It's going to be really good. Look, I'm stoked that you're here. I'm sorry about the noise. Uh, they're, I think they're trying to rebuild the building I'm in <laughs> while I'm in it, which is kind of interesting. So there's jackhammers. I'm just being an acceptance of the jackhammers. This person who's making this noise is, is doing a job so he can feed his family and good for them. I'm saying it to him because I'm doubting there's going to be a woman operating a jackhammer, but I wouldn't put it past this modern world we live in. Um, so, yeah, good on that person for having work and good on him or her for making money so he can buy his children presents at Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or whatever it is at the end of the year. Look, a quick bit about my guest today before I get my voiceover voice on. Matt Fraser is my guest today, the No Meat Athlete. He's got a fabulous blog, nomeatathlete.com, where he's cultivating a great community of plant-based athletes who just go about their days either from every corner of the spectrum, from either winning races or just being the best they can be, but doing it all on a plant-based diet. I really love his approach to plant-based eating. I really love his approach to fitness. He's, it's not preachy. It's, it's not overbearing. It's not self-righteous. It's just here. This is what worked for me. Here's the results. Here's a really easy way. He, he puts a, such a low barrier to entry. So if you've ever been wondering about what it is to not eat meat, or, or not eat dairy or transition out of eating, eating meat and da- eating dairy and transitioning towards a more plant-based diet. This is, I always tell people to go to his blog, nomeatathlete.com, even if you're not an athlete. He's just, he offers just such a wonderful way in and it's a really gentle way in and it's a really easy to understand way into this, to, to a way of life that doesn't involve eating animal products and, and what benefits you could expect living that way. So, um, this one may mess a little with the way you think about food and fitness, but stick with it. Um, I know you're listening, so you're listening, and I'm just so grateful that you're here. Let's do this. My guest today is the no-meat athlete, Matt Fraser. We talk about how he cut animals from his diet to qualify and finish the Boston Marathon, his advice on transitioning to a plant-based diet, how paleo eaters and vegans are more similar than you think, how to find the time to exercise, to eat and cook healthy food for yourself, no matter how busy your schedule is, 
and what it's like to commit to a life of spreading his message of being the fittest, fastest, happiest self that you can be. I've never been interviewed by a professional before, I don't think. Oh, get Actually, out! I guess, I guess radio is professional, but... Yeah, you have. You totally have. I'm so happy to meet you. You're like, we've been internet friends for a while. Yeah, two, three, four years, maybe. At, at least. And, and, and we, we've been talking via email, you've been sending me t-shirts, I've been wearing them and, and, and tweeting about them, but we've never actually met in person until about three minutes ago. Right. Matt Fraser, how are you? I'm great. I'm bu- busy, busier than ever, but but uh, <laughs> so great. busy. Yeah, seeing the country, which is awesome. In my car, which is not quite so awesome, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's great. Happy to be here. Dude. What do you mean? You've driven from North Carolina? Yeah, absolutely. Shut up. Yeah, just hit like uh, eight thousand miles in my car. So now I got to get back. What kind of car is it? Oh, it's it's a Hyundai Elantra. Deluxe. Matt Fraser is at No Meat Athlete on Twitter. He's just written a book, No Meat Athlete, Run on Plants and Discover Your Fastest, no, sorry, Your Fittest, Fastest, Happiest Self. It's pretty, pretty bold title. It does what it says <laughs> on the box. I, I read an early, early copy of it, um, and it absolutely does what it says on the box. Uh, right now, as you're listening to this, go to Amazon.com and just buy it. And um, and you'll understand why as we as we continue talking. Um, some people may not know your story, so let's just quickly kind of qualify, um, as we say. Uh, <laughs> you were in college, which is university in my country, and you and some mates went, "Let's run a marathon." How hard can that be? Exactly. With little to no kind of proper planning. No proper planning. Right? No proper planning. Not little, just none. You set out for your first marathon, and how did it go? It went as you would imagine it went. It was, uh, it was the most, well, we, we decided we were not just going to run a marathon, but qualify for the Boston Marathon. That Only was the our- hardest running race <laughs> right. to get into in the world. The Boston Marathon is like the elite of the elite. Um, you, you have to be one of the best in the world to even qualify, let alone finish. Which shows you how little we knew about running, because that was, that was our idea. When someone said, okay, what marathon should we run? Somebody thought of Boston and said... I know I've heard of that one, so we uh, looked it up and tried to register, realized that you couldn't register. Uh, at our age, it took a three-hour and ten-minute marathon to qualify first, so we decided we were going to do that and uh, signed up for the San Diego Rock and Roll Marathon out here in uh, 2002 and got to the start line, amazingly, and then the next four hours and 52 minutes or 53 minutes were some of the most painful of my entire life. That sounds like my first marathon. And it, like, I will never, as long as I live, forget the pain of yep. the life. I ran the first two hours, the first 20 miles in the same amount of time it took me to run the last eight miles. <laughs> that's almost, well, the last exact, six miles. That's almost was, exactly my story. It was so painful. Yep. The last two hours was horrible worse than any 50 mile or any ultra i've ever done so whoa yeah okay so from then hang on you went all right all right all right i'm gonna take this some seriously and then you tried to qualify and you tried to qualify but and you were trying to get faster and faster your times are coming down and down and down you got down to well like 320 320 was my best before yeah and you went there's got to be something more there's got to be something better and at that point you thought, well, I'm, I'm training, I'm working, I've got you know, a great plan, I've got great people around me, my, my form is on point, diet. And so you 
you, you pulled meat out of your diet and animal products out of your diet, and what happened? Well, I guess, I guess before I give the spoiler, which isn't, isn't going to be too shocking, um, you know, it was actually an ethical thing. Like, I wanted to do it for ethical reasons back when I was at, like, stuck at 335 or so in the uh-huh. marathon and, you know, had the same idea that everybody tells you, like, you can't get enough protein. So basically giving up meat for me was giving up protein, giving up calories, and giving up on this Boston thing. Finally, when I got frustrated because I was stuck at 320, that's when I said, you know what, I'm just going to do it because I don't think I'm going to make it to Boston as it is, so why not just do what feels right to me? Uh-huh. And uh, within six months of, of making that change, I, I took 10 more minutes off, ran a 310, and got in, just barely. But still, man, 310 for me would be like <laughs> the greatest thing in the world if I got anywhere near 310. That's how it was for me, too. And I'm I'm not there right now, and it takes me a lot of work to get to get to that fitness for sure. Well, yeah, that's that's elite of elite of elite. I'm thinking today they're running the New York Marathon. Yeah, and, and the yeah. funny thing is, I mean, the people winning that one will be an hour faster than, than my best. It was three ten, so yeah, it's insane. I mean, uh, it's- and so, but on your journey, you started blogging about um, about your what was changing in your training and in your life and, and your progress, and that became nomeatathlete.com, which has grown to an enormous community of people, uh, not only from around the North, North America, but around the world. Um, I think I found you when I, was, when I was here in the States, but there's plenty of people in um, Australia, when people ever ask me about um, what's it like to you know, run marathons or, or, or kind of live vegan, I, I often point them to your website. I often point Thank them you. to No Meat Athlete because it seems... It's just the way you present it, it's not so... When, when I tell people I'm vegan, they're kind of su- surprised because they think I should have dreadlocks and I'm showing them videos of chickens and... You know, I'm like, I'm not, right. I just... Uh, the, way, the way you put it out there is like, this is how you can be exactly your, your, your fittest, fastest, happiest self. Yeah, it's, I mean, and that's... I'm glad that it does seem to come across as that way to you. And it obviously does to other people too because that's like, that's what I have to offer. I'm not the 210 marathoner or the you know, best 100-miler in the world, like Scott Jurek, you know, the vegan ultra runner was for so long. Um, so what I have to offer is that I'm like a real normal guy, and, and I was always really turned off by those messages, the animal cruelty stuff and the videos and the, you know, the leafleting on college campuses. Like, I just thought, in order to go vegetarian, I'd have to become one of those people. I have mm. to become an activist. Yeah. Not to take anything away from them. I mean, I'm glad that they're out there doing that stuff, but that never resonated with me. Yeah. So... You know, I'm trying to speak to that person who I was 10 years ago. Yeah, I always wondered. I will never forget. It was this amazing, uh, amazing vegetarian restaurant in, in Melbourne called Soul Mama. And as you were leaving this vegetarian restaurant, they had all the pita posters up of like vivisection and, and shit like, I'm, I'm in the vegan restaurant. I'm already here. What? You should put this in the butcher. <laughs> Not here. Um, so just give us an idea of what your diet was like before you made the change. What was your diet like in college? In college, it was not good at all. I mean, I was eating the, the you know, 13, 15 beers a weekend, of course. Um, I shouldn't say of course, but that, that's the way you, we did it. You're talking to many, a lot of mostly people <laughs> listen to this Australians. It's like 30, 15 beers. It's fair enough. It's just a Saturday. <laughs> right. But, I mean, I, I was paying attention to what I was eating and thought I was doing a pretty good job of it, but it was like the... The grilled chicken breast or the, the lean steak and the rice and the pasta. And it was basically the starch and the meat all the time mm-hmm. with not much else out. I mean, there was protein shakes and stuff like that, but there wasn't, there just weren't vegetables. So we just didn't make vegetables in college uh-huh. uh, or too much afterwards. Right. 
uh, quite quite a shift. I used to call it a um, my window diet. Whereas if I could drive up to the window, uh, I would eat it. Yeah, uh, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't very healthy. You have created this nomeatathlete.com. It's it's such an interesting community, and you're doing this tour around the country supporting your book. You're obviously meeting a lot of people face to face, but prior to this, I guess I'm assuming part of the inspiration to go out on the road was that you must have heard some some stories, some feedback about people adopting your your guides, your 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 roadmaps. You've got plenty of roadmaps o- online. Um, what are some of the stories, some of the transformation stories that people have shared with you? There are so many of them, and that's like you said, being on the road has been that's been the best part. Is like I'm sure it's super hectic and events every day and driving in between them. But the people at the events and the stories that I hear um, are unbelievable. I mean, it's it's like routine to hear about someone who lost sixty pounds just when they changed their diet and started running twenty five kilos. That's a lot, man. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a lot. Sixty pounds sounds a lot better than twenty-five kilos to me. Oh. <laughs> you know, twice as much. Um, a pound's half. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, and I've also been amazed at how many stories there are of people who like said, "Oh, when I stopped having dairy, my asthma went away, or yeah. my back pain went away, or yeah. just a bunch of weird things that that it seems so sort of like anecdotal and kind of like you know, where's the science? And I don't know where the science is. I haven't even seen it myself for most of those things, but. Um, you know, I it's being on the tour and seeing what a large percentage of people have something like this um, is incredible. But there, are, I mean, so many stories of people who it wasn't just that they went vegan or went vegetarian; it was that they decided to run a marathon mm-hmm. when you know, kind of like I did, where like really had no business doing that, but just said, you know what, I'm going to do that no matter what. And in that process, discovered the healthiest way to do it and what works best for their bodies. And you know, that's when people have these incredible transformations when they have some big goal that kind of you know, it just seems ridiculous to go after. That's when you hear the people who have lost the 80 or 100 pounds and and just changed everything about their life. I mean, you don't recognize them in before and after pictures. That, like, that's, I've been through that. I, I lost, I was 112, so I was about 250 pounds, and I dropped down to about 77, I remember that. I think I might have got down to 73 at one point, but I remember being, jumping on some scales at 77. And when you lose that kind of weight, you're absolutely right. It, it changes everything about your life. Yeah. I remember I remember being out and people I went to school with couldn't recognize me. Did you say, would you say your your mindset and attitude changed a lot too? Certainly to exercise because previously the breathlessness and the pain in my muscles made me want to just not do anything and the fear of that was very very big. Okay. Um, but soon that breathlessness and the pain in my muscles became something actually look forward to yeah <laughs> something yeah. i really wanted to do uh, but this is before this is before i started uh using running as a way to keep my brain quiet right. uh, which is what i do now yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very very helpful um was there is there one i know but is there one particular like say one transformational story that you, you kind of really really sticks out to you you know what there are a lot that are really similar um the, i mean one the the a girl who writes on the, my site a lot, her name's Susan Lakey. Uh, she was a smoker and, you know, self-defined couch potato and or self-proclaimed couch potato and, you know, just was the furthest thing from a fit person but started having friends or hanging around people who were doing Ironmans. And what she did was change everything about the way she ate, the way she exercised, the way she thought about things and just went about daily life, reorganized, schedule, everything, and within 20 months of 
basically the moment she said she was going to change and went and ran a 5K. Within 20 months of that, did the Ironman, which is just like unbelievable to me. Because I've, you know, even after I had done three or four marathons, I remember thinking about Ironman and I was like, I don't think I could ever do that. Like that's, that's just to do a marathon at the end of, you know, the basically equivalent of a marathon in a swim and a bike. It was just like, you know, that's maybe not for me. So when someone can, can envision themselves doing that when they haven't yet run a 5k and they smoke and they watch TV all the time, I mean, that, that is so inspiring to me to, to in less than two years. Yeah. That's amazing. It that's is. a whole new wardrobe. That's like <laughs> yeah. no clothes you ever. Well, it's like right. no more favorite T-shirt because your favorite T-shirt is now a tent. Right. Right. Exactly. That's incredible. That is and and, and you know inspiring to me because I know that that's in my future. I know that uh, you know tries in my future. Um, right. As you can probably tell, <laughs> um, <laughs> sitting under the shadow of my, my, my giant bikes hanging off the hanging off the ceiling. Um, but I, I know that's I know that's coming my way. Um, at No Meat Athlete on Twitter, that's where you can find Matt. You can also buy his book right now, Amazon.com. Just search for No Meat Athlete and the title is No Meat Athlete, Run on Plants and Discover Your Fittest, Fastest, Happiest Self. It's only 10 bucks for Kindle. I mean, yeah. come on, Australia, See, America. You can't afford not to buy it. You got 10 bucks. <laughs> you can do it. You can do it. This is a, writing a book on this subject is a pretty big goal. It's a, as my old boss, Barry Chapman, would say, it's a big, hairy, audacious mm-hmm. goal. And re- I remember reading the PDF you sent me a few months ago. It's a ve- you're painting with a very broad brush. Yeah. You're, you're painting to a really big audience, people who've possibly never considered ever eating this way or even being this, this active. What were your goals in putting this book out and writing it at such a, such a wide level? It, well, you're right that that was the difficult part because anything I'd done before that was like run your first marathon on a plant-based diet. I mean, that's a very specific audience, motivated set of people who want to do that sort of thing. So with this, the, the challenge was how do I make it interesting to the current audience and readers who have been reading my stuff for years? Like, how do I give them some new stuff? But at the same time, accomplish what for me was the major main goal of the book, and that was to reach the people who didn't yet know about this stuff and you know could really use the information. So um, I divided it into two sections: one one about diet, the other about running, and basically in hopes that that someone might pick it up and say, "Well, I already am a runner, so I don't need this part that much." But this diet part's really interesting, so I'm going to read that. And then, you know, my hope, of course, is that they'll find something in the running, too. Because my, my approach in both is a very simple one, uh, really boils things down to a few fundamentals and things that are useful in everyday life. Because, you know, I'm like I said, I'm a, such a normal person. Like, I have two kids, family. I don't have hours and hours and hours to train. I mean, like a pro might. So, you know, it's all about practical and quick and, like, tasty. Like, if I make a raw taco and give it to my kids, like, they're not going to want to eat that, you know, like with the kale leaf as the shell. That doesn't fly too well when that happens. So it's like normal stuff. Um, so I wanted to reach that person. Like I don't, you know, I'm sure there will be criticisms from people who say, well, you should be eating like 100% raw or you should not have any oil in your recipes because that's that's become a sort of popular side of plant-based dieting. Um, but I wanted this to be like the gateway so someone can see the, you know, in bold on the cover, no meat athlete and say, that's kind of interesting. Like, I didn't realize you could do that. And then, you know, from there, sort of choose their own adventure and maybe go the raw route, go the oil-free route, whatever it is, or, or go not quite all the way, no meat athlete, but, but just incorporate a lot of that. So I, when I, a lot of people, since I've been doing this podcast, and obviously, like, 
I have a you know a job in Australia where I'm I'm on the telly and and people are kind of oh hang on you're vegan okay, <laughs> right. okay you don't look like one I was like yeah I know <laughs> and people often ask me you know what's the you know what's what's the way to get started because for some people I, I kind of liken it to you know if you've never even considered being even vegetarian or, or cutting meat out of your diet or how to cook without meat it's like trying to like push a broken down car by yourself. Like it's really, really hard to, to take that first, get that first bit of inertia. But once you're up and running, it takes a bit of effort, but you can, you know, you can get where you're going. So what are, what are like some, I know you've written about this and if you could share it, that'd be awesome. What are like just some kind of simple guidelines for people listening that could help them just, just give them a little nudge towards eating towards vegetarian or perhaps even just eating healthier? Sure. Well, my, you know, to continue the car analogy, which I like a lot, um, basically I'll be okay with the car going, puttering along at five or 10 miles an hour for a while before it gets up to 60. I guess you can try That's to- That's 100. Yeah, there you go. See, there you go. See, miles and, and Ks are the other way around. So That doesn't make any sense. I, the other day I did 50 miles on that bicycle there. It's 80K. Okay. All right. So it's, uh, 60, 60 mile an hour is 100K. It's triple figures, brother. <laughs> I will not remember these conversions. That's okay. Don't you, worry about it. As, as, as someone who runs in, in both countries, I've my, me and my Garmin, my, I lap on kilometers and I do miles per minute when I run. So <laughs> right. I've got an all ass backwards. So sorry, so, just to go back again. So you're saying uh, be okay with kind of going slow for a little while before you hit, hit yeah, top gear. which is universal when it comes to habit change. I mean, that is the way to make a habit last, and I know it feels like the opposite. It feels like you want to jump in entirely because you want to use that motivation and just go all the way right away. But I can tell you from experience, when I tried to do that with the plant-based diet, I failed, lasted about a week because I didn't know how to cook that way. I didn't know how to shop. I didn't know how to go out to restaurants and order off a menu. Like It felt like there was nothing there for me to eat. Um, so so the, the way to do it or the way that worked for me and that I recommend people do it is do it gradually. I did it extremely gradually. Like I stopped eating four-legged animals for an entire year, so no cows or pigs basically for a year. Then decided to go further with it and phased out the two-legged animals, the chicken, turkeys, things like that, and finally the zero-legged animals, fish, snakes. People in Australia eat snakes? Uh, no. I've, <laughs> have I eaten snake? I might have eaten snake. Back in really? the day, I, I ate a lot of... Really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. They call it, they call it bush tucker. Like the things yeah. that uh, the Aboriginal guys, okay, and yeah, girls that's what I was thinking. Know how to Aboriginal eat. stuff, yeah. So I might have eaten. I don't know. It was a long time ago. Okay, I might have eaten. I think I ate a witchetty grub once. I don't remember. I don't know what that is. It's a it's a grub uh, about as big as your thumb. Oh, they, they dig out. The Aboriginal guys dig out. It's really, really full of heaps of nutrition and stuff like that. And people often ask me, it's like, would you be vegan if you were stranded out of the bush? Of course not. <laughs> I, would, I would put calories in my body so I could eat. But I have a choice and I'm grateful to make that choice. But sure, right. if it was a survival situation, yeah, I would eat whatever way I could right. to keep yeah. me and my family alive. Yeah, anyway. so, you know, the long term of it is gradual. Um, yeah. And... And then only over two, the next two years did I become vegan. So it, it took uh -huh. two more years to phase out the dairy and, and the eggs and everything else. Um, so, that, I mean, that's the first thing. The other thing that I think is really effective is to give yourself some sort of little challenge window. Like, say, I'm going to do this for 10 days, uh, whether that's each new phase of the diet or whether you are going to jump in and just try it and say, I'm going to give this a try. Don't make it like, this is my decision for life now. Because as, as I guess, admirable as that is to make a choice like that, um, that's when you get the stuff like, oh my gosh, I could never eat a hamburger again, or I could never again have the delicious buffalo chicken wings. Like, and then you quit and give up and go get some buffalo chicken wings. 
So having a little 10-day trial or something basically lets you say, it's not never. It's like, I can't have buffalo chicken wings for the next 10 days. And then you can, you can make it that long. And for me, what happened was that when I did that, by the end of those 10 days, I was already noticing just the energy. I just felt so much better in the day. Wasn't noticing like a running impact or anything yet, but just loved how I felt and loved in my mind how I felt eating this way. Mm-hmm. So then I said, I'm going to do it for 30 days. And then at the end of that point, it was like, it wasn't even a question of right. going further with it. So gradual and, and give yourself a little trial window. That would be my, but you know, two biggest tips for transitioning. Right. So don't be like, like, I know a lot of people actually, apparently cheese is really difficult for a lot of people. Yeah. I moved in with uh, my ex-girlfriend. She was lactose intolerant. So that was like dairy went away. <laughs> this is before I was even vegetarian. Dairy went away. And I remember you, you mentioned it just before, but like for me, I always tell people that was the most profound change in my body was when I stopped eating dairy. No, it wasn't meat, it wasn't eggs, it was dairy. It was my skin cleared up, my voice changed, snot went away. Yeah, right. And I mean, to me, like, there's this whole vegan paleo argument, and besides that we eat whole foods, you know, both paleos and vegans, if you're doing it right, eat whole foods, we also both don't think dairy is healthy. And, you know, I think I think dairy is way more unnatural than meat to eat. I mean, I don't don't argue that meat was a big part of our evolution and you know mm-hmm. many many groups and geographically of course it varied but like people survived somewhat on meat they hunted and, and or, i mean they gathered and then when there when there was opportunity for hunting they did it so but you just didn't hear or I, you don't know much about people going out milking cows back in the in the stone age i mean yeah <laughs> there's no cave paintings of that right so it's it's not surprising that that dairy is the one that you know people see the most change from when they yeah. stop eating it um so just on that, just just on the transitioning out of, I guess, kind of regular diet, supermarket diet, mm-hmm. uh, for just a second, for a lot of people, and I know it was, it was for me, and you mentioned it earlier, I didn't know what to shop, I didn't know what to order, but I know what I know. So rather than learning a whole new language of, of shopping or ordering, what are some things that you can substitute out for stuff you already know, for example, to help you on this path? Well, there is there are the obvious substitutes like the meat substitutes, you know the the Gardein chicken breast and the field roast sausages, and they do a pretty good job. Like if you've got uh-huh. that craving for the texture and flavor of chicken in your pasta or whatever, mm-hmm. then then you can put that in there. And like, by no means is that the healthiest thing you can do. And I would say get away from it when you can. But that's a great tool just mm-hmm. in in the transitionary period. Yeah. Um, but what about like choose brown rice instead of white rice, that kind of thing? Oh, that's, yeah, I mean, absolutely. So that's, you know, not not really, you don't have to be vegan to be doing that, of yeah. course. But um, yeah, I mean, those sorts of things are simple to make for the most part. And, you know, that changes a lot of things. I mean, start start the day with a green smoothie instead of the five cups of coffee. I'm not saying quit coffee altogether, but like just ha- make yourself have the smoothie first. And then you'll be more filled up. The coffee will be acting less like your breakfast. Mm-hmm. And maybe you'll start having only two cups of coffee. And like just sort of a little wedge to kind of start making changes. So that's easy. Or make the smoothie not even green. Like if that's too big a step and, and it seems gross and like Pond's line, which a lot of mine do turn out looking like, um, just make a fruit smoothie. I mean, put that little effort in and that's a pretty good breakfast. I mean, you can always go further with it. Yeah. So, I mean... And- all kinds of changes like that. They're everywhere. Brown, whole grains versus versus white grains is a huge one to make. I mean, that's that will do so much for your health. You don't have to give up grains. Just start eating whole grains and try the different alternative grains. Like, there's all kinds of pasta made from everything you can imagine nowadays. Um, 
And of course, there's the one thing that is great about Nomad Athlete is there's heaps of recipes on Nomad <laughs> Athlete. As, as Matt is is quite the cook, uh, which we'll get to a little later on. You can find him on Twitter at No Meat Athlete. Uh, his book is No Meat Athlete: Run on Plants to Discover Your Fittest, Fastest, Happiest Self. Um, when I'm uh, in airports, mainly, uh, it's when I see more people of the public that I'm usually exposed to. I used to do a show called Australian Idol, which mm-hmm. meant that I would see thousands of people from all walks of life, which most people don't get to see. Most people don't get to see five or 10,000 people all at once from way out of their social circle or way out of the socioeconomic um, slice. And I, I would notice people's body shapes and, and to be honest, smells. <laughs> and I would think, wow, I'm, I, I, I guess... I've found a different way to eat and a different way to cook. And, and then I go to the supermarket and I see, you know, people shoving. When I go to the Ralphs up the road here on Lincoln Boulevard, they go to the frozen food section and they'll just pick out like seven TV dinners and put it in the cart and then push it to the aisle. And, you know, just to shove that thing in the microwave and that's dinner. Like the idea of, of cooking and, and preparing a food, food for yourself. Could you talk a little about um, how you found that, how you found the connection between cooking for yourself and equating that to caring for yourself? Yeah, you know, I don't know that I even made that connection. I just kind of started cooking out of uh, kind of a passion for food. This is long before I was thinking about being plant-based at all and just got into cooking for, for cooking's sake. And uh, I went to Italy once and came back from that and was like really inspired to you know make all these foods that match with the wines and all that and that was fun. Um, so that just kind of brought me towards you know to cooking and it wasn't until I read a book by a guy named Michael Pollan um, called In Defense of Food. Michael Palin, not Ma- Michael Palin from Monty Python. No, 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 okay. no. <laughs> I think it's I think it's pronounced Pollan. It's P O L L A N. All right, that'll be it. Then. Sorry, I thought Michael. <laughs> Hang on, is this some weird North Carolina accent? <laughs> so, um, yeah, what he says there basically is that is that if you're cooking all your own food, it's almost impossible to eat unhealthily. I mean, sure, you can you could argue all day about meat and dairy, and that you could put all that in, and sure, you can put sugar in, but if you're connected to it in that way, that you are actually putting the stuff into the pots and pans and making something come out of it, for the most part, I think you're not generally going to use tons and tons of fake and processed ingredients. You're going to use real whole foods, mm-hmm. no matter what they are. And that's like the biggest step. I mean, eating whole foods is is what it is all about, in my opinion, as healthy eating goes. I mean, that that's what brings us back to the the way we're, you know, meant to be. Like you mentioned the microwave dinners, like and that's that's just in the food area. We there's we've kind of set up this world for ourselves where we don't touch the ground very much. We don't get dirty, you know, in the normal way. We drive in our car to an office we stay there all day we come home we put on a tv i mean it's just like ridiculous in some sense that we have sort of gotten so far away from just the way that our species has evolved when you think of it in terms of a species and not like a you know not like people because we're we're, no other species are doing anything even like that you know it's it's not even close so food is perhaps the the most obvious way in which we've gotten away from that and the results can be extraordinary when you just start eating whole foods and or if not even thinking about that, just say I'm going to start cooking stuff myself. And it's not hard to learn. I mean, you can 
like I still don't think, consider myself a cook, you know, in, with capital C. It's like I follow recipes and I've gotten better at following recipes from, from having done it. But there's no like, I don't have any mastery of flavors and artistically. I, I don't know what I'm doing with that stuff. <laughs> so it's not hard. You just get, find recipes that are interesting, go buy those foods and then go make them. It's, it's really, it's so simple that you even said that. Like if you're, if you're cooking, if you're putting stuff in the pots and pans yourself, just by that alone, you're already healthier than yeah. if you're eating takeout or if you're, you yeah. know. Michael Pollan, what he said was, nobody reaches for the bottle of high fructose corn syrup when they're cooking. Huh. And I've, huh. you know, huh. I've written that and people have responded, well, yeah, you, you, sometimes you do use corn syrup in baking, but like, I don't know. The point is there. Like, you don't, you don't get the the soy, what you know how soy is just, I don't think soy is a bad thing, but when we take it out and use soy protein isolate, you don't reach for the soy protein isolate very much and put it into your pasta dish. I mean, yeah. it's, just, it's just, you don't do that. You don't put those fillers and, and, and weird things that processed foods have in them to make them, I don't know, more tasty or addictive or whatever the hell they put in them to make you want to buy them next week. Right. And, when, but I mean, even cooking, though, you can, if you're buying a prepared pasta sauce or whatever i mean that stuff's going to be in there so you can certainly mm-hmm. this is in degrees and you can get further and you can get to the point where you're buying all your stuff fresh from local farms and yeah. you know cooking that that's i think where you really want to be but it's it's the baby steps like you don't have to go there first that's that's not at all what i'd recommend i would say you know start with the simplest recipe you can find and just go make it because i i guess you know i i, I look at it like i was just saying this to my friend yesterday and that you know, I think about the healthcare here in the in North America, and because I grew up in, in a country where they socialized medicine, mm-hmm. and I think the running price ticket for an angioplasty in this country is about one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. <laughs> that's when you get a, and that's when you get a stent put in your heart artery to to bust it back out again because it's been hardened up from the way you've been eating. Um, but that's a kid's college education. <laughs> right there, <laughs> right. you know. That's yeah. you know what do you want to you know? And, but if you just ate healthier. Uh, by the time you're fifty something, you can use that money for something you'd rather use. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and honestly, I heard I know I've heard you talk with Rich Roll about this topic oh, yeah. about the plant based diet being healthier, but I mean being more expensive. Um, but I don't think healthy eating really needs to be that much more expensive. I mean, I don't know, meat and dairy are some of the most expensive items in the store, and you can you can get rid of that and just start buying whole plants and grains and beans and like that stuff's not very much when you're buying it. In bulk. That's so, actually that's actually how I came to vegetarianism. I was unemployed, oh yeah? mm-hmm. and I couldn't afford meat, so I st- I just started eating meat once a week, and that was it. it was a treat. Right. It was a treat right. on the day the dole came in. The dole is uh, <laughs> unemployment benefits. Uh-huh. So on dole day, <laughs> I bought myself a little tiny. It was smaller than my fist. A little piece of meat. And I ate meat. Just- I mean, that's how we're supposed to eat it. Like that's that's the way that if we are supposed to eat meat, then. That's probably the way that it happened, you know. Like we, like it would be a treat when the when the Stone Age cavemen would get the kill and everyone would get some uh-huh. portion of the meat. But like, it probably wasn't that way all the time. It was probably just gathering most of the time, and then on Dole Day they would they would get to have a little piece. <laughs> well, of the meat. day they ran the antelope down, depending <laughs> right. on which book you read. Have you read that one? Yeah, Born to Run. Uh, yeah, the one. Sure. Yeah, absolutely amazing it's about the book. persistence hunting. That's it's really really remarkable. Uh, speaking of running, you are uh, this incredible community you've built up at NoMeatAthlete.com. This community you've built and maintained and, and nourished and nurtured, and uh, you're running with people out on the road. Mm-hmm. What's that like? It's really fun. I mean, it's 
you get to see that there are lots and lots of different skill levels that I'm writing to because it's really easy to get when you're writing online just not seeing faces, not seeing people. You kind of respond to the negative comments more than the positive ones, and those are the ones, of course, I'm sure you've dealt with that all the time. Like you, you remember the negative feedback and the negative reviews. And Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices. Down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The hundreds and thousands of positive ones just, you know, they don't. It's the worst. They, yeah, like your brain <laughs> is just wired. fucking brain. <laughs> yeah. just got it backwards. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So, like, when I'm writing, you know, I'll start to assume that I'm writing to the most informed, most knowledgeable section of the audience and, like, you know, need to need to make sure I clear up every point. But some of the people I'm running with are just getting started or have been doing it for years, but are still you know still run a 12 minute mile as their just comfortable pace. And you know, it just made me realize like there's so many different people out there doing this at all different levels. So that's that's been fun, and it's been nice to go on a five mile run and kind of go back and forth between the fast people and the slow people, and and just get to talk to everyone and enjoy everyone. And it's it's been amazing to do that stuff. Uh, it must be now. I get um, when I'm running down here at the beach. I uh, <laughs> I check out other people's stride. <laughs> I, you know, I, I check out how they're running. You know, do you do that? What do you do when you're when you're running with other people? I don't think I do that. I I <laughs> used to. I used to look at people and say, "Is that guy a good runner or a bad runner?" Uh-huh. Just just by looking at the stride, and you could often you can often pretty much yeah. tell uh, if they've been doing it for a while or not. Do you come on? Do you coach it all? Do you like come on, come on, get it up to one eighty? Come on, you can do it. <laughs> I, I guess I do that. The one eighty thing kind of um, that's sort of my sticking point. Yeah, we're talking we're talking about uh, a cadence in case in case you're wondering. In fact, I'll go get it. Stay right there. All right, I've got it right here. It's uh, so I um, oh where is it? Oh, it's over here. Um, so I think we both. Uh, I came to. Uh, I came to a thing called. I couldn't run. That's the other thing. I couldn't run for a long time. I had. Um, I couldn't run more than four k without my knees and hips and everything hurting. Mm-hmm. And that's how I came to. Uh, I found chi running. Yep. And um, I found a great coach here in LA, Kathy Grease. She's now in Sacramento, I believe. So she taught me running to a metronome. And you'd be amazed if you just make sure your feet hit the ground at that pace. And that, that's even someone who does it. That still sounds so fast to me. Like it's just—it's hard to believe that you are taking that many yeah. steps compared to what's like the normal thing to do. That's really, really fast. It took me a long time to yeah. to work up to that. But uh, yeah, even that alone. My um, there's a great physiotherapist down in Sydney uh, at the, the Body Mechanic. 
they're called, thebodymechanic.com.au. Mm-hmm. And um, he gave me that metronome and he got me back up to, he's like, come on, buddy, you got to do it. <laughs> got to stop loping around. And he's, he's absolutely right. Like when I get my fastest stride, that's just, I'm a little slower, which is weird. And I'm still just kind of just being with that, just being slower for now. Because mm-hmm. if I'm coming back from a tendonitis in my Achilles tendon, am I right? Okay. Um, so I'm just kind of being with being slower and being with just just getting with that. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's rad. Um, Matt Fraser is on Twitter. You can find him at No Meat Athlete. And his new book is out called No Meat Athlete. Run on plants, discover your fittest, fastest, happiest self. It's on Amazon. Amazon.com right now. Just go. Just go there. Just, just go there. So um, you're talking about uh, you're, you're on tour and you're doing these book events and you're out, you're promoting the book. Obviously, you probably wouldn't be able to do this if there wasn't some sort of movement towards this way of eating. Are you feeling there's a shift coming? Are you feeling something's, something's, something's brewing on the, on the horizon? <laughs> you know what? You can definitely feel that it's growing and getting more popular and becoming more accepted and even more mainstream. Like it's not – if you go into a restaurant and say, I'm vegan, what do you have? Like it, fewer and fewer times do you get the, lo- the question like, you know, what does that mean? Or like yeah. you know, a lot of people assume that that means you can't eat white bread or you know it's like people don't really know what that stuff means but they are learning it seems over time because there are especially in the athlete community more and more people that are doing it and doing it publicly and having blogs and podcasts and everything else about it i guess i'm sort of you know just wonder is that is that a movement that is happening in the world is going that way or is that is it like hula hooping or you know some other Mm -hmm. fad that that comes for you know, 10 years and, and goes away. I'm thinking it's not that because you talk to people who have been doing this since like 1982 or something. And, and they say it was just so different back then. And, you know, even in the nineties, it was, you know, shifting, but still really weird. But like in the past, whatever, 15 years or so, it's really changed. And it's just, it seems like it's not something that has spiked up all of a sudden and will immediately go away because it's taken a long time to build. Mm-hmm. But there have been people who've been doing it for 30 years now, or much longer, really. So something about that says that it's a significant trend, but, you know, I don't know. It's weird. I mean, it's also strange that paleo is at the exact same time the fad diet. Or not, yeah. you know, I don't want to, I mean, to me, yes, it is sort of faddish, but I don't want to, like... Well, it's, very, it's very popular, and a lot of people are finding a lot of transformation in it. Yeah, and I, I, sure. I'm sure, you know, they're feeling their best and most powerful they've ever felt in their life eating that way and good on them yeah. it's they're so mindful about what they eat uh as am i you know yeah it's they're not, they're not careless about they eat so clean and there's actually when you think when you take the meat out of the equation there's not very many differences in the way that no it's the, like it's like trade the trade the meat for the beans and the grains yeah. and that's that's the two diets but if someone's really doing paleo right like even even not the marketing paleo with the the bacon and you know essentially the Atkins diet again. Oh, shit, sorry. <laughs> but if they're doing it right, you know they're really really selective about the meat they get, and for environmental reasons that's a good thing, and for their health that's a good thing, mm-hmm. and for animal reasons I mean that that's not supporting factory farming if they're really really selective. So again, it's sort of the small steps. I'm not like an all or nothing person, so I think that's a good thing compared to the alternative. Yeah, right. So y- you're feeling that there's kind of a movement just towards being more mindful about what people are eating, particularly yeah, it's, in... and it's, yeah. it's called the real food movement, mm-hmm. which is a great name because people are going towards eating real food, and I think that's, that's a great thing. 
Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> if you're ever in America, just wander down the snack aisle and you'll, <laughs> you'll see what we're talking about. I remember when I first came to America, uh, took up snowboarding in Utah in 2000. And uh, we were having a competition, me and my friend Jeremy, uh, who could buy the thing with the least amount of sugar in it. I think I won with a can of baked beans that only had this many grams of honey in it. It's like, it's baked beans, but they still had to put sugar in it. That's funny. This is in Utah. So is this, is this different from Australia? Like, is it not the there's same situation? No, there's no sugar in baked beans in Australia. <laughs> no. And the white bread, I remember the white bread was really sweet. Like, ah, okay. Like a, yeah, it was full tilt. But I was only a vegetarian back then. You, are, uh, you run ultra marathons, which is anything longer than... Uh, 26.2 miles or 42.1 kilometers. Um, you run uh, and you've just run 100 miles, which is 160K. See, it sounds tougher in, in K. Yeah, it does. I like that. 160 kilometers, which is just bonkers when, <laughs> when you think about it. But, you know, you talked earlier about couch potatoes. Uh, in the book, there's a, there's a 5K, there's a 10K, and there's a half marathon plan Yep. in, in, in the book, No Meat Athlete, which you can buy on Amazon right now. Um, but what would you say to people who are just, just maybe perhaps listening to us and, you know, the thought of 160K is like, you may as well ask me to swim from here to New Zealand, all right? right? right. Uh, that's about how far it may as well be. Also, that's how far a 5K is for me right now. The fact that I would, you know, at the time, I think when I first started running, the longest I'd run was maybe the length of two football fields, like up to one end and back again right. for some shitty test in PE that I had to do because a man with a beard and a whistle was yelling at me <laughs> right. and I hated it. I, and yeah, that I was the only time I ran all year and it yeah. was the worst, maybe for a bus, but 30 meters, you know. So what would you say to people who just perhaps, oh, man, I really should do something about this. Oh, I'll go and pay 800 bucks for a gym membership. What would you say to them? A couple things. First, that, that old PE thing, which I call gym class, um, you know, Phys ed. Okay. Yeah. I just didn't know that was some sort of sh- I think term. the beard and the whistle and the yelling yeah, that's are universal, fairly yeah. universal. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, that, I mean, that made me hate running. And I, the reason that we hate running from that is because to, uh, you know, as a result of doing that, in our minds, running equals running fast. And it's like if you're not running fast and if you're not exhausted at the end of your workout, no matter how long that workout is, if you're not bent over gasping for air, then you didn't do it right or you didn't. You didn't work hard enough, or you didn't give 110. percent I mean, all these, you know, stupid cliches. But running doesn't have to be running fast. You can go outside and run. Or for someone who's a beginner, it'll mean walking. But move at a pace where you can carry on a conversation. Like that's a comfortable pace to be in, whether it's running or walking. If you can carry on a conversation, you are not too uncomfortable. I promise. So go do that for a few minutes and start to think of that as you're running, and keep doing that day after day, you know, go a little further. And with time, if you've maybe you've like someone who's maybe done a 5k before, uh, if they just slow down like that, most people don't realize they could, they could go do a 10k just by slowing down. I mean, it wouldn't be the best thing in the world to go just automatically do that if you've never done anything in between, but the ability's there. It's just a matter of knowing how to do it. And what I found, you mentioned the hundred miler, I mean, or a hundred, 160k, right? 160K. So the first time I ran an 80k race, um, I thought, how could anyone possibly do 100? I mean, that's, or do 160. The first time I ran a marathon, I thought, how can anyone possibly do a 50 miler or an 80K? Each time, it's just been a matter of slowing down is the first part. I mean, you, you don't, when you finish a marathon, you assume that to go twice that far, 
when you just imagine going twice that far, you imagine being twice as uncomfortable or being that uncomfortable for twice as long. That's not at all what it is because you have to slow down to get there. So it's really a mindset thing, much more than it is about physical fitness or anything. I mean, certainly, yes, you need to train up to those distances, but for the most part, it's learning how to you know, understand your body, how to know what is the right pace, being okay with like walking the hills, stopping at aid stations for a while. I mean, it's just, it's really so much about mindset and not, it's not that someone who runs a hundred miler is 20 times as fit as someone who can only run five miles. It's nothing like that. It's just, it's just a matter of being good at not quitting and, and you know, your body knowing how to do it. So what's more important, would you say to someone who's just listening to this thinking, yeah, I should, I should probably get active and I'm hearing Matt talk about just going out for a walk. What's more important, increasing the distance or doing it every day? If you want it to become a habit, every day is the best thing you can do because that will just teach your brain to do it. And it, especially if you can do it like following a trigger. And this, in some of the book, there, you know, I had a guy, a friend of mine named Leo Bavalta from the blog Zen Habits. Brilliant blog. Who, yeah. Brilliant And blog. he you know, has made immense changes himself. Talk about big changes. Uh, but he's done it coming at it from the perspective of like what's the most effective way to change a habit. And he's done a bunch of research on this. But one big thing I learned from him was to have some sort of trigger before your habit. So like it might be having that morning green smoothie or that morning cup of coffee if that's where you are. And immediately following something that happens every day, immediately following that with your habit. So if it's a daily thing, it's easier to get into that cycle and that routine and just you know more quickly teach your brain so that it does become automatic and not something where you need to get the willpower up. So, I mean, the running further, that's sort of just, just for the sake of if you have some sort of goal where running further is the point and that's like the, the thing to see if you can do, learn to run this far. You don't need to run further to get fit. I mean, just start moving every day and you, know, you may want to go further, you may want to go faster, but go go where you go after that. Just But yeah, get moving every day. The trigger thing you talk about is very interesting. So you're almost like hacking your own brain. Yeah, into, that's what it is. Oh, this is what I do next. <laughs> no, I, I get up, I take a dump. Oh, I put my shoes on. This <laughs> right. is what happens now. Right. That might be it. Yeah, uh, totally. That, yeah. Well, it is for me. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to run on an empty ballast, man. <laughs> I've, got to, I've got, to, got to run on an empty ballast. Um, uh, like I mentioned before, I, I, think, I think the first thing I bought off you was your... Uh, I was very audacious. Uh, I think it was the first... I think it was the only thing you had. It might have been the first thing you put up was your BQ... Um, Marathon plan was that the first thing you put up? Uh, uh, the roadmap. One? Yeah, that was my first like real. Yeah, product, yeah. So I bought yeah. that and then you know, I followed it for a bit. But, uh, <laughs> um, but you've also got on your website you've got a half marathon plan, uh, a full marathon plan, a first triathlon plan, um, including everything to eat. Um, what would you say to someone like me who uh, I've done marathons and half marathons, I've done trail half marathons. Um, I'm just really getting into cycling. I've got a proper big boy bike now. I had the other one, but it's out the back. It's got cruiser pedals on it and as, as you'll see it. <laughs> hey. What would you say to someone who's like, ah, oh, this is coming. I can feel it coming. <laughs> it's like my 40th birthday. I can feel triathlon coming. I, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I haven't done a triathlon myself. A lot of people don't know that, but the person who wrote the triathlon book was, was the girl who I mentioned to you earlier, Susan Lakey, who went from the couch to the iron man awesome. in 20 months yeah so she was the main author of that i wrote the nutrition section um I, I kind of think the same thing like triathlon for me has been coming for a while so far i've just kind of kept running further instead like maybe as a form of procrastination so i don't uh -huh. have to go get the bike and learn how to swim more than eight laps at a time because <laughs> i'm you know i am like a 
I don't even know what in the pool, but I don't, I don't move very well in the water basically. So, uh, I don't know, but if, yeah, I mean, if you're feeling anyone, if you're, if you're, if that excites you more than running and I can see why it might, um, by all means do it. I mean, like that's, that you have to be really into whatever it is. Like, you, like mm-hmm. you, you don't necessarily need a big goal at the end of everything that you're working towards. But for me, that's been the only thing that keeps me motivated. Like if I go for three or four months after a race and don't sign up for another one, uh, I will not run during that three or four months very well. Like I, I will do it a few times a week maybe because I make myself get out there and do it. But the, the temptation and the, you know, the habit of running for me, it just isn't there unless I have something that's really, really inspiring and motivating. Mm. Uh, that's, that's six months away or something. So having, having said that, what do you get from running? Cause you're going to want to really like it to run a hundred miles. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. Cause I am different from a lot of runners. Like I, I am not the person who needs to go out there and run every day in order to stay sane um, and, like, craves that run if I'm not getting it. That that has never been me. I don't love the running. The cheapest, freest antidepressant you can get. <laughs> yeah. It I, really I mean, is. I do believe that, and I believe that in the long term, like, when I'm running, I am happier. But short term, like, that's not always the thing that I'm, you know, anx- like, it's not like, oh, I'm feeling a little bit of anxiety right now. I'm going to go out and run and fix that. I just, for whatever reason, my, my tendency is to, like, go be lazy when I'm, when I'm feeling anxious. But um, running for me started, like you said, when I was in college and decided to run this marathon and qualify for Boston. That goal was so out there and so outrageous for me that really for the first time in my life, I had a goal that was really, really exciting for me. So running kind of became my vehicle, basically, for demonstrating to myself that I could do things that not that long ago seemed impossible and to some in some way running still is that for me is that sort of just go prove to myself that i can do something that that seems right now like it's impossible uh that it's it's that more than it is the day-to-day joy of running but it is a mind clearing thing for like i love going out there for an hour seven mile run or something with a podcast or an audio book and as i've been saying a lot on this book tour i've been telling people like when you really do slow down and get to that conversational pace and you know, engineer the the environment so that you enjoy it. And for me, that's putting on an audiobook. Yeah, I can come back from that kind of run with more energy than when I left for it. And people think that's crazy that you could run and then come back with more energy, but it absolutely happens. And and I'm by far not the only runner who has noticed that. It's uh, yeah, it's inter- interesting how you know we have different takes on it. But you know, I I actually got to a point where I can no, I used to only ever run with music, and now I can't. Mm-hmm. I have to have that. I meditate when I run. Mm-hmm. I, I chant, actually. I chant mantras. And I, really? I, yeah. I, I, it was a technique my friend Giddy taught me. Um, he's an Israeli, uh, just complete, incredible diplomat. He's, he'll be the Prime Minister of Israel one day. <laughs> and he taught me that when you're out there, you can rewire your neural pathways um, using the foot strikes and your breathing. I believe that. And totally you just keep chanting and chanting it. And I've done it. I've absolutely done it. And certainly coming on the other end of my divorce, like that was the most powerful thing that I learned how to do wow. and it really helped rewire my uh, reactive nature to things like because you program in that if this then then that kind of programs like if this then I'll dun, 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 right, dun, right. Dun, and then when it happens you just kind of automatically do it and you go whoa <laughs> like you're like I know kung fu you're like <laughs> it just happens your brain wow. it, you just drilled it in drilled it in drilled it in drilled it in and then and then it's in there uh, yeah, it's really. Powerful. I'd love to hear more about that. I, that stuff is fascinating to me. 
Yeah, I'll, you know, I'm happy to. It's it's ba- it's basically that's all it is. Um, I think because you know when you get, you know, I certainly don't want you to ever do it, um, and I wouldn't wish it on anyone. But getting divorced is the the pits man and you know then i'm classic you know i'm living in a friend's spare room and out of a bag and it's just yeah. it's like what, what, i'm in a foreign country away from my family and friends and, right yeah. and then giddy's luckily i was training for the la marathon at the time it happened in december it's only two years ago it happened in december and giddy's like come on we're gonna go run 10 miles tonight and he could because he had a family he could only run at night so we'd, we'd set out at 10 30 <laughs> on a Sunday to go and do our long, we'd do like 15, 16 miles. And he taught me this this technique and it was very much like just chanting in the, it's a present tense, yeah, it's a present tense uh, if-then routine, like for programming, mm-hmm. like if mm-hmm. this, then that. Right. I liken it to taking a toothpick with sandstone. You just kind of keep mm-hmm. putting that groove in. Mm-hmm. You just do it again and again and again. Eventually, you've got a notch in the sandstone. It's right. just like... Right, a little bit of time, a little bit of time, and the movement, and the and the and the breathing, and the movement and that just adds to it. Huh? Yeah, very much. But it was when wow. my right, and it was like always in in, uh, <laughs> I guess you know, like a white man rapping. But you know, <laughs> so what do did the people of Venice enjoy hearing? I am not the only person yeah. talking to myself out there. <laughs> I promise you, I, I, I absolutely promise you. <laughs> Matt Fraser is on Twitter. You can get him at No Meat Athlete. Uh, you can follow him. He's a remarkable man. Go on his blog, nomeatathlete.com. There's recipes. There's marathon roadmaps. There's half marathon roadmaps. There's a triathlon roadmap. Um, buy his book. It's on Amazon. Cost you 10 bucks. No Meat Athlete. Run on plants. Discover your fittest, fastest, happiest self. You mentioned, um, we've been going a little while. There's two more things, three more things I want to talk to you about. Um, you mentioned earlier that you have a family, uh, which good. I'm thrilled. Uh, c- congratulations. The world needs more dads like you. Thank you. Um, and a lot of people ask me, and a friend of mine, she actually struggles a lot. She's actually had to go out and do a vegan nutrition course, and she raises her kids uh, with no meat. And she almost has this thing on her wall so when people go you're a bad mother because you're raising your kids vegan she goes i've done a course i know stuff um (laughs) what's the reaction like do you raise your kids uh meat free or yes we do what's the reaction like and 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 what's how do you do it reaction from the kids or from other from other people because you know you rub rub up against other parents when you're in like childcare and and primary school and things like that that was i mean not directly the reason, but one of the reasons that we moved to where we did in Asheville, North Carolina, which is really progressive mountain town, not like the rest of North Carolina for the most part, uh, where you can go find a pediatrician pretty easily who like supports that. And where most people, you know, people there have seen everything. Everyone's kind of there for one reason or another, and it's not at all the weirdest thing to be the vegan family because there are plenty of them. Um, you know, I... We, I guess we haven't dealt with too much of that. Like for the most part, maybe it's because I have the website and people assume, um, which is not a good assumption, by the way, that I'm an expert in this. Like just because someone has a website about something does not make them an expert at all. Hang on. If it's not on the, <laughs> I, if it's on the internet, it's got to be true. Right. That's only if it's Wikipedia. Then, <laughs> then it's true. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I guess people assume maybe that I would win an argument with them if they tried to argue with me. I don't know. Um, so we haven't had that much of that. Like, really haven't dealt with too much pushback from friends or family. Yeah. Uh, maybe they just don't say it to our face, but whatever. That's fine. What about me. when you? Ki- how old are your kids? Son is three and a half, and our daughter's six months. All right, so they haven't really started going to other parties and things like that just yet. No, not yet. And I'm I'm sure there will be comments and things, but like 
we're not the in-your-face types that would go make a big scene about it. Like, like you know, we would have if we if he was going to a birthday party at McDonald's, for example, we would probably give him some lunch ahead of time so that he's not that hungry then, and then basically let him go do what he wants. Like, like we want them to make this decision for themselves. Uh, we want to guide them, sure, but I don't want my kid to never have tried meat and just assume it's it's like not right for him. So, you know, we we just want them to come to the choice on their own, and we're very very laid back about it. And of course, we're not going to have animal products in our house and cook them or anything like that. But um, I don't know. I you know I'm just kind of open about things and like happy to have the conversation with someone who wants to and wants to know like where are they getting the nutrition they need. And they'll probably ask about protein and calcium and all that. And those are easy questions to answer, you know, because I've had them a billion times now. So. <laughs> You're flying in the face of people who believe that, you know, I mean, that's, it's almost like people want to fight. <laughs> yeah, they, that's true. But people who know us and like us and who we are friends with, you know, they don't want to fight. They, like, they respect us and, yeah. you know, we like them for their whatever thing makes them weird. So, yeah, yes, if I went out in the middle of, Idaho and started telling everyone that my son was vegan. Like, yeah, I'm sure then then there would be some some arguments and fights. But I, Idaho's I don't know how you would describe Idaho. It's flat. I shouldn't be picking Idaho because because Boise in Idaho is a really cool city and like I'm, I'm has, sure it is. I'm just has, trying to just trying to describe Idaho to, to Australia. I, I it's flat. Uh, there's a lot of farms there. Yeah, it's probably what you think it is. I think it's I think it's like corn and beef. Yeah, and it's like a lot of Queensland. Cabbage. Sounds like a lot of Queensland. Okay. Um, one of the things uh, you've got two kids, you've got a, you're a full-time blogger, which is you know high fives all round. You're, <laughs> you're, you're supporting a family on on this empire right. you're building here, which is incredible, man. Like you you are creating a life and you're living a life that you're, you've created for yourself, which is just fantastic. But part of that, and I know you're a ninja at it, is time management. Um, for folks who are kind of wondering, yeah, 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 that's because he just blogs all day. He's got plenty of time to run in 100-mile races and, and cook and shop and hang out with his children. Well, yeah, I don't know how much you know about the economics of blogging, but rats be working hard. <laughs> Trust sure. me. Um, for someone who's like kind of new to the concept of time management, what's something what's like a really kind of like kind of simple intro or, or, or just like one or two techniques that you would say to them about how to manage putting that exercise, finding out half hour a day to get kind of a little healthier? A uh, few things. The first one would be, if you can do it, write down everything you do for a day or three days, and like to the minute, like say this five minutes, I went on my phone and you know fooled around with Twitter, and then the next five minutes, and I think this exercise used to be a lot easier like ten years ago when there weren't smartphones and you mm -hmm. did like a few activities each day. Now I'm playing like, Where's My Water, bro. I've got to find that little crocodile, <laughs> get his shower. He needs a shower. He needs. It. Even my mum plays Where's My Water. Right. So add up all your time and be totally honest with yourself, and I think you will find. Hours, no exaggeration, hours and hours that are going towards activities that don't do anything for you. Really, uh -huh. They're just like little momentary, temporary escapes. TV is a, is a big one. Um, if you not stop watching TV, but just be deliberate about what you're going to watch. Like, look at the, do they still make a TV guide that like gets, I guess it's, you can go on the internet and find TV guide, right? Oh, I think they have a Sunday supplement, I think, <laughs> in this old archaic thing. It's made out of paper. You buy it at the coffee shop. Uh, I think it's called a newspaper. Your hands I don't all really dirty, know. Yeah. I haven't held one in a while. <laughs> I mean, go find – if you're going to watch something, just know that it's on and then watch it and then be done with the TV. Like, if you do that, you'll most people will save a few hours a day just right there. 
and do other stuff instead. And it it takes a lot of getting used to. Like it took me a long time to to stop having the TV on as the background noise. But I you know I think getting rid of that made a huge difference in how much time I had. You don't have a TV in your house. We have a TV, but it just has like Netflix and stuff. So we don't have any cable or anything that. What? Um, yeah, but it's. I don't know. And we still like have DVDs and stuff for our kids and it's it doesn't feel weird to us, but we've just gotten used to not having it on and not having it on from 6 to 10 p.m. each weeknight. That's a tremendous amount of savings. And I, I just think the what you do with that time sort of fulfills you in ways that actually give you more energy. So let's say you do find time to do exercise then. If you go get in a good habit of walking briskly, if, if that's what it is, or running at this conversational pace, get in the habit of doing that for half an hour a day. And I think you will find that you have more than a half hour's worth of energy as a result later on, whether it comes from your sleep or whether it leads to higher quality sleep, just to do more stuff. Wow. That's, I'd be almost afraid to write down an inventory of my of my wake. It's weird. When I did it, I had like a whole bunch of Minesweeper. Remember that game? That yeah. Got Windows- I had a ton of that on there. And I and that's I haven't played it since, since I realized how much I was playing that. This is before, this is like when Minesweeper was what you did. Windows 97. Yeah, this is like back then. Yeah. Wow. I kind of, that's quite, a, I think that, that's quite confronting. I might do that because I like to do things that I'm confronted by. Mm-hmm. I might do that. That's, that's, a, real, that's a really powerful one. Um, there's a, on the, the, the book is No Meat Athlete, Run on Plants, Discover Your Fittest, Fastest, Happiest Self. Matt Fraser, happiest self is a very big, big call. How? <laughs> I've been surprised at how many people have asked that question in interviews. Uh, I just I didn't realize when I was putting it in there that that was a big or controversial statement to make. Don't get me wrong. When I eat the way I eat, when I exercise properly, I'm the happiest ever. Right, right. And that's what I was getting at when I said that like, one benefit of doing a half hour of running or walking per day is that you have more energy. And you know, to me, that translates into happiness in some form or another. Because uh, if you have more energy, you can you're in better emotional control, and you know can be happier. Speaking of emotional control, I've found that when I stopped eating all the processed stuff, started eating whole foods and plant based foods, my emotions just sort of leveled out. Like you know, kind of went to into like a Zen mode all the time. And um, you know, when a conflict would come up, it would come up, make its ripples, and sort of dissipate and be gone and it just you don't i didn't go on this roller coaster that i had been on before emotionally it also to me has been something that when i made the decision to become vegan noticed my very first grocery trip as i was reading ingredient labels looking up what the part that i had dreaded about being vegan i was like oh my gosh now i'm gonna have to go read every single label and look for you know egg whites in the bread i'm eating or whatever but when i was i realized when i was doing that that I was really happy. Like I loved that I cared this much that I was actually looking at something like that. And as I've gone that direction with my diet, I've learned more and more, become more compassionate, and you know, wanted to even go further with it. Like I didn't dream of being vegan when I became I was one of those people who really didn't fully know what vegan meant when I went vegetarian. I didn't know if that was some weird cult or sect or if it was like had something to do with vegetarianism or what. But I've gone that direction and am happier with each step. Just feel more congruent and more fulfilled. And, you know, running is exactly the same thing. As I said, it's my, my outlet for, like, achieving things and demonstrating to myself that I can, am capable of a lot more than on the surface is, you know, obvious. So that's led to a tremendous source of, I mean, that's, that's been a huge source of fulfillment and happiness for me. And, uh, you know, if, if that's, you know, I, I don't see how people could 
think that those things wouldn't make them happier. Feeling, you know, doing that. And certainly there will be arguments from people who, who uh, are the beef and dairy council. Look, I, but, can, I can tell you straight, firstly, thank you for saying that, but I can tell you straight away, I know what often, I, I was amazed that when I stopped eating meat, I, I used to be quite aggressive. I used to be quite aggressive. Yeah. When I stopped eating meat, you'd be amazed how much more calm everything felt. I just felt way more relaxed. Way more relaxed. I was blown away. And do you think that was like a physiological thing or was it just your mindset changed because you then knew you weren't a violent person in the way you ate at least? I was never violent. Uh, okay, I mean, I'm one of four brothers. So there was, a, <laughs> but there, was, there was brother violence. But, you know, that's, that's par for the course. But um, I just remember not having that teeth gritting kind of barking aggression that it just, I remember it dissipated just so much. And eventually, like now it's, it's barely even there. But I remember overnight, it was, well, overnight, uh, over a couple of weeks, it was very, 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 very quick. Um, oh, that was one other thing you said. Now I can't remember it. Ah, don't get a head injury. I keep, I tell people all this. <laughs> yeah, I, I smashed my head in the last April and now I, and I can't remember stuff. <laughs> but you can follow him out on Twitter. He's at No Meat Athlete. Uh, this has been amazing. I do want to ask you one final question. You're in your, your Hyundai, what is it? Hyundai. Rhymes with Sunday. Yeah. I think. That's what the dealer told me. What kind of Hyundai is it? Elantra. You got, you're in a Hyundai Elantra, which is crammed to the, the roof with all of your possessions. Oh, yeah. You've driven from North Carolina, which is, on. it's essentially driving from Townsville to Perth. That's how far Matt's driven. And how far into this tour are you? I'm about maybe uh, three quarters of the way. Not quite three quarters. Three quarters of the way to a, 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 like I believe what you're doing, 40 stops, 40 days? Yeah, about 40, 40 stops in about 50 days, but I've, I've put all my off days together when my family's out here visiting. Traveling me, so. around the country. Well, yeah, you said your, your family's uh, over this coast to come and see you today, which is lovely, but that's a long way to be away from your, your home and your, and your family. What's, what's driving you to get in the car? What's driving you to, to, to get out there? I mean, tell me, what is it? You know, the... In many ways, the book was an excuse to finally do this because you alluded to it before, just having this audience out there, hearing these stories of people who have made changes. Um, I had thought of this a long time ago. Like It would be amazing to just go out around the country and do a bunch of meetups and just say, hey, I'm in this city tonight. Whoever wants to come get a drink or get a dinner or whatever here or go for a run, let's do it. It never really made much sense, and I, it would not have been a, uh, a very strong argument to you know bring to the dinner table and say, Hey, honey, uh, here's my idea is to go do these meetups around the country. But having a book out there kind of legitimized it and I think ensured in some way that people would show up for the events because that sounds somewhat more professional that it's a, it's a book tour event, a book talk instead of a little run and a, you know, PETA. Um, but, you know, and it's been exactly that. Like being at these events, anyone who I have connected with over the years, over the past five years of doing this, and who has emailed me amazing stories of things that have come, either from my stuff or just from the diet and the running and lifestyle, those people always make it out to the events, which is not surprising, but it's amazing that I know that every event, there's going to be five people there who are like really, really into it, and then the other 30 or whatever people who show up who are not as into it, but they're still fans and they still come. So... That's really what it is. It's it's that each event 
when I'm feeling, because I'm certainly getting more fatigued and tired, but when I show up to the event itself, start talking, and then everyone comes up and tells me their stories afterwards for the next half hour or more, and it's like staring, looking at these people who are happy and healthy, I mean, and who you know say that they were not before, that's incredible. It, and that makes it feel like I'm actually doing something worthwhile when... Sometimes when I tell people that I'm a professional blogger, it sort of sounds like I'm in my mom's basement, like pretending to have a job. Uh, but you know, seeing it in the real world is like this is really something. Like this actually matters. So that that's what it is. You're um, you're changing people's lives, man. You know, a lot of people sit. You know, their job is they they sit in a cubicle or they you know they they, they work wherever. Not that, you know, but you you've you've defined what you want to do in the world. It's, I'm super amazed at how you're doing this. You define what you want to do in the world. You've gone, this is the effect that I want to have on people. I'm going to live my message and here is the effect of living the way I live and people are coming back to you going, it's working, man. And in fact, I'm faster, fitter, mm. happy because of it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I'm incredibly grateful that, that you, anyone can do that now. Like that, you know, 15 years ago, that didn't really exist. You had to be approved. A publisher had to say, yes, you were good enough to have your message heard, or a, a record company had to say, your music deserves to be out there. Hmm. Now, you can just put it out there, and, and if it's good enough, you know, it's going to reach people who, who like it, and if there are enough of those people, which I'm extremely grateful that there are, then you can do it. And you're all in, man. You've got, you've got a wife, you've got two kids. It's, it's a fridge that needs to get full of food. <laughs> that's, that's right. And yeah, it hasn't been without stress for that reason, sure, but uh, I sleep a lot better at night, you know, knowing that that I'm doing something that I'm happy about. However I can be of help to you, don't ever hesitate, Matt. Don't ever, ever hesitate. Follow Matt Fraser. He's on Twitter at NoMeatAthlete. Um, go to Amazon.com right now and, and click on his book, uh, No Meat Athlete, Run on Plants. Discover your fittest, fastest, happiest self. It'll cost you 10 bucks. It'll change your day. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, Asha. This is awesome. It's great to finally meet each other. You too, man. Let's go ride my bike. All right. Let's do it. Yes, Matt Fraser. And then we rode my tandem and we got lunch at Cafe Gratitude on Rose Avenue and it was excellent. He's such a legend. He's a father of two. He can run 100 miles. What a great bloke. What a great bloke. I'm so glad that you got to uh, hear that. Let him know that you heard him here. On Twitter, you can find him at no meat athlete that's where he is put a link to the show page at osherginsberg.com when you're tweeting at him and you'll be doing me an enormous favor um, there's a link on the show page that i've pre-built it's three clicks from where you're right now just osherginsberg.com click podcast click this episode boom you're there also matt's book it's on amazon it's 10 bucks as an ebook i think i mean maybe 12 in australian money um, i highly recommend it it's a superb blueprint for not only a plant-based lifestyle but an active and even competitive plant-based lifestyle. Let's just say it, a window to a perhaps more healthy lifestyle than you may know um, and a window to a, a way of life and um, I'm not, as we covered just then, happiness that you may not realize is, is waiting for you. Um, I felt immense freedom when I stopped eating meat but that's just me, that's just my experience and Maybe you'll have the same one. Maybe you won't. I don't know. Um, please subscribe to the show on iTunes. If you're on Android, you can now hear me on the Stitcher app, which is pretty superb. Big thank you to at Toehider for the music. Amazing guy. Amazing musician. And at Saltmarsh for my superb artwork. For more info on upcoming guests, you can find me on Twitter at Osher Ginsberg or head to osherginsberg.com. Um, 
thanks so much for being here. It's it's going to be a big week. Got some some TV to shoot, a few interesting things to to go. I can't really talk about right now, but it's it's wonderful to be um, to be in Sydney. And uh, uh, I do miss my bike, though. I miss my bike. I'll say it. I miss my bike. Thanks for being here. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 